Hi, welcome to our podcast. To learn more about Liverpool One Church, join us live, give financially and to get involved, head to liverpoolonechurch.com. We believe God wants to do great things in and through your life today. Enjoy this message. Well, hey, what is up, Liverpool One Church? Go ahead and grab a seat, make yourself feel comfortable. Make yourself feel right at home here at Liverpool One Church. Hey, it's great to be with you today. If you don't know me, my name is Nathan. I've been coming to this church for a number of years. Can you give it up for my guys, bring out my prop? If you wonder what this is, if you wonder what this is, it's not a giant rotten potato, okay? It's actually a rock. I'm gonna try and use this to help us with a bit of an analogy today. But yeah, like I was saying, I've been here now for a number of years with my wife, Megan. We just celebrated five years married this week, which is awesome. We've got two beautiful kids, Clara Joy, 17 months, going on 17, and Layla, four months. And I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, hold on a minute. That was both babies in lockdown. Yes, it was, but all I'm gonna say is there really wasn't much else to do. Um, So we thought, hey, we'd start a family, why not? Great time to do that. Um, And you know, has anyone actually been away this summer on a staycation? Anyone, a couple of people? Okay, well, we went on a staycation. I've got a photo of us here in Wales, right, in an awesome place called Welchpool. And I was saying to my wife afterwards, here we are, up in the mountains, doing our thing, going for a walk. Clara looks like she's having a great time, doesn't she, back there? But yeah, we had a great time away on our staycation. I was saying to my wife after, actually, do you know what? I don't think I'm ever gonna go abroad again. I think staycation is like the way forward. And she's like, no, give me some. Next year, wanna go to the sun. But hey, today is a staycation party. Who's excited for that? Come on, I'm excited. The 10 a.m. had a great time. They had like so much fun in the inflatables and the mocktails and everything else. But you know, if you don't know me, you don't know my story, my background. I came here to Liverpool probably about nine or 10 years ago and I came over for university. And long story short, I didn't quite make the grades to get into university. So I went through clearing, and I got onto a course in Hope University called Education and Sports Studies. Now, for all you first years out there, take heed in this moment what I'm about to say. Everyone was telling me, oh, don't worry, Nathan, you only need to get 40% to pass first year. Don't even try, don't even bother. I listened, I ended up failing first year of university, right? <laughs> had to go through clearing a second time. And this time, I really went for a random degree. Any degree would do, to be honest. I just wanted to be in Liverpool. I love this city, I love the people, I wanted to stay. So, ended up doing outdoor education, right? You're probably wondering, what even is outdoor education? It's basically where environmental science meets extreme outdoor activities, right? Couldn't really get any better than that. I thought this is gonna be heaps and heaps of fun. But you know, the reality was between that transition in my life, I felt really lonely because I left that whole group of students that I knew in first year in my old course and then moved to a whole new place, a whole new university, John Muir's University, and I was a bit lonely. So I was excited with the prospect of this brand new course starting and I was super excited to get into it and see what it was all about. So the very first day came around and they think it's a great idea for us to go off on a bit of an icebreaker, so we went off rock climbing. Now, I did a little bit of rock climbing before, not very much. Did a little bit of indoor climbing, that type of thing. So they bring us all up to this crag, this rock climbing venue outside in Liverpool, um, and it was sort of like an introductory lesson in rock climbing, and for us to sort of make friends, that idea. 
So they partner me up, right, with this guy who's got no experience at all, but they say, well, you're both Irish, so you're gonna get on. So I was like, okay, win. But turns out this guy had also feel first year as well. He went through clearing a second time too, and we both were there scratching our heads trying to figure out how the heck have we ended up on this course. But anyway, nonetheless, we started off rock climbing, and if you start rock climbing, Typically, you start off and do this thing called bouldering. Now, bouldering is basically where you climb from left to right. You don't go above your head height. That's the one rule. So I'm there. I'm spotting Josh. That's kind of what you do as a sort of climbing buddy. You spot each other. If he falls, I'm trying to like brace his fall or whatever. And he's there, and I'm looking over at my other course mates, and I'm kind of going, oh, that's cool. I wonder like who I'm going to end up being friends with, and you know, we can hang out together and have some fun. And I look back at Josh and he's gone. And I'm like, where the heck did he go? I mean, what is going on? Then all of a sudden, this crazy professor, we called him Professor Duncan, he was like the health and safety guy. Oh, and by the way, he actually made us sign this waiver at the, on the very first day, at the very start of our course, to say, if anything happens to anyone, it's not our responsibility as a university, it's not our responsibility as us as tutors, it's all on you. So he came running over and was like, Josh, Josh, what are you doing? I told you to only climb to a certain height, to head height, and you went away above it. And I stepped back from where I was, looked over the overhang, and there Josh was trying to scale this climb, which by the way was a very severe, very difficult climb. And Duncan was like, don't even go there. And just to give you an idea of what the climb was like, I went online, this isn't Josh, but I went online and I found a climb that was the same level of difficulty. So they've got a picture of that for us, the media team all being well. It's gonna come up. So this was the climb that Josh was trying to go on to do with, by the way, no rope, no gear, and Duncan's freaking out going, Josh, stop, what are you doing, come down. He's like, it's fine, I've got this. And he's like, no, you don't understand, Josh, you need friends to climb that. And he's like, I've got a friend right here, Nathan, he's my new friend, my new buddy, my new university buddy or whatever. And he's like, no, Josh, come down and I'll explain. So Josh came down and Duncan pulled out some equipment, some gear. And I've actually got some rock climbing gear with me today. And these, this is what he was referring to. When he said, Josh, you need friends, he wasn't talking about me, he was actually talking about some gear. And in rock climbing terms, this is a cam, but the lingo for that in rock climbing terms is friends. These are friends. And the idea is that you place them on your route. You can actually see right here in the image again, this is a guy placing some friends on his route. The idea is you place them in the crack, you clip onto them, and they protect your climb. So anyway, we had some great times over the coming weeks and we sort of, you know, went on some climbs, learned how to use the gear and that type of thing. But to be honest, it really helped my whole thing of loneliness. It really helped me sort of, you know, overcome that thing. We became best friends. Josh was the best man at my wedding. So for me, it was great to solve that problem of loneliness. But loneliness is what I want to talk about today. Because I think that loneliness is a real problem in society, especially in the last sort of 18 months or so. Get this, the Office for National Statistics reported that in Great Britain, throughout the pandemic, 30%, that's 7.4 million adults, reported that their well-being had been affected through loneliness. Working-age adults living alone were affected the most. Those feeling lonely incurred higher anxiety scores than the national average. That's scary, right? And those feeling lonely said they were struggling to find things that could help them cope during lockdown. They found that lockdown loneliness also affected mental health. No surprise. 
their work, their finances, and even their relationships. But get this, this, this blew my mind. Three in 10 of those feeling lonely strongly agreed that they didn't have people who would be there for them. You see, loneliness, I think, is a real problem that we have to talk about today. Perhaps you've started a university course or are about to just like me, and you're there in a new place in a new city and you just feel lonely, or maybe it's even a new job. Maybe right now for you, maybe you're facing some massive financial problems in your world and you like to keep your business your business and you don't wanna really let anyone in and let anyone into the situation that you face. So you just try and deal with that thing on your own and you feel a little bit lonely in it all. You're not really sure what to do. Maybe for you recently or in the past, maybe you've lost a loved one and that's left a giant hole, a giant void in your life that you're trying to fill with various things and now you just kind of feel lonely. Or maybe for you right now, maybe you're going through a breakup in a relationship or even a divorce and that whole thing that you you pinned your whole life on, your dreams on, is now just no longer there. It's shattered. You feel abandoned. Now you just feel lonely. Or maybe for you, it's that health issue that you're facing right now and you're going through it, and you feel alone in it all because nobody quite understands what it's like unless they've been through it. And yes, they mean well, and they're there for you in some ways, trying to bring food or maybe that type of thing, but you just feel lonely. And let me just say this, right, just to start off. If you're here today, if someone's brought you, perhaps for the first time, or maybe you're visiting with friends, and you're kind of thinking, what have I walked into today? This is crazy. This is not my normal Sunday morning or afternoon here. Like, this is, what is happening? Well, firstly, I want you to know that you're welcome here. In fact, you are our VIP guest, and we're so grateful that you're here, especially today on a big Sunday, because we haven't been able to do this for a while throughout lockdown, so that's great. But listen, today, I'm gonna go into the Bible. We're gonna look at some practical points that you can apply to your life. But listen, you have my permission to take what you want from this, message and leave the rest, but maybe, just maybe, you'll go away with a new perspective or a new way to to do things. And if you don't know at Liverpool One Church, we exist to change lives for Christ one life at a time. And what that means is we're simply committed to making your life better and you better at life. And today, I want to ask a simple question. That's what we do here at Liverpool One Church. We try and ask simple questions to get practical answers to help us through a week, through a day. And the question I want to ask today is simply this. How do you leave loneliness? How do you leave loneliness? In other words, what do you do if you're lonely? And my goal today is to simply highlight a really important contrast between two stories in the Bible. Two men that had two similar things going on, but there was a huge difference. And the first story we're going to look at today is found in John 5. And it's going to be found in verse 5 to 9. It's going to come up on the screen behind me, so feel free to follow along. And it says this. It says, Afterward, Jesus returned to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish holy days. Inside the city, near the sheep gate, was the pool of Bethsaida with five covered porches. Crowds of sick people, blind, lame, or paralyzed, lay on the porches. One of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years. And when Jesus saw him and knew he had been there for a long time, he asked him, would you like to get well? I can't, sir, the sick man said, for I have no one to put me in the pool. When the waters bubble up, someone else always gets there ahead of me. Jesus told him, stand up, pick up your mat and walk. Instantly, the man was healed. He rolled up his sleeping mat and began walking. 
So let's stop right there for a second. Let's quickly recap this story. And you know, the first thing I kind of want to say is the story is kind of weird, right? We have to address the elephant in the room. We have to address the weirdness. People believed that an angel would come down, stir these waters up, and the first person into that pool would find the miracle. In other words, would be healed. Now, it's important to, to note that the Bible doesn't teach this actually happened. This is what people believed. And this is, explains why there was such a big crowd there. And this explains why this guy was there. But that's not the part that I want to focus on today. I want to focus on the fact that this guy was there for 38 years. 38 years. Could you imagine being stuck in the same spot for 38 years? I mean, that's longer than a life sentence in prison. That's just crazy that he was there and he could see the place that he wanted to get, but he was stuck and he couldn't get there. I mean, that must have made things even worse for him. Crazy. But maybe right now in your world, maybe you're not paralyzed physically like this guy was, but there's some area of your life that you feel has you restricted, that you, that you feel has got you paralyzed just like this guy was. And in the story, this guy was lonely. He was hopeless. It was probably a very desperate environment. I mean, could you imagine just for a moment, everyone else there? I mean, there was no queue to get in, right? It was probably pure carnage. But the question I want to ask is, why was he there for all that time? And the answer is found in verse 7. It says, for I have no one to put me in the pool. No one. Now it makes sense. This guy didn't have one friend. Not one person in his life he could depend on. Not one person he could trust to get him from where he was to where he wanted to be. It all makes complete sense. But have you ever had a desperate situation in your life only to find that nobody else has sort of stepped up? Nobody else has stepped in. Nobody else has been there in your moment of crisis when you need him the most. This guy was lonely. He had no friends and he needed a miracle. So that's the first story that I want to look at today. The second story, which we're going to read in just a second, I'm going to read, but I want to draw a really important contrast from both stories. Both are similar stories, and this story is found in Mark 2. And once again, it's a lame man, but this time there's a huge difference. So reading from Mark 2, verse 2 to 5, and then I'll skip down to 10 to 12. It says this. It says, When Jesus returned to Capernaum seven days later, the news spread quickly that he was back home. Soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no more room, even outside the door. While he was preaching God's word to them, four men arrived, carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, so they dug a hole through the roof above his head. Then they lowered the man down on his mat right in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, my child, your sins are forgiven. Skipping down to the second part of verse 10. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, stand up, pick up your mat and go home. And the man jumped up, grabbed his mat and walked out through the stunned onlookers. They were all amazed and praised God's exclaiming, we've never seen anything like this before. All right, so that's the second story today. Just to quickly recap, the first thing I wanna just mention is the fact that it says here that he had four men arrived carrying this guy. Now, I am pretty convinced that these guys were his best friends. Why? Well, when you look at the story and you look at the detail, it's clear they're his best friends because why would four random people 
happened to stumble across a lame guy at the same time going to the same place. I mean, that just wouldn't happen. And then if they were to arrive at the house, there's no way they're gonna go up on the roof, bust through a hole to help this guy get his miracle if they weren't his best friends. They were his best friends. And this is why I love the story, because these four friends were relentless in their pursuit of seeing their friend healed. And remember, it was just for the opportunity It wasn't necessarily a guarantee, and they didn't know that. But watch what happens in verse five. It says, seeing their faith, Jesus seeing their faith. It wasn't the faith of the paralyzed man that mattered. It was the faith of his friends that made the difference here in the story. And oh boy, did this guy, he got way more than he bargained for, right? He had his sins forgiven, which by the way, was probably a way bigger thing, but he didn't realize that at the time. He then got his paralysis healed, and then he was able to roll up the mat and walk out the front door. And that's significant. Could you imagine in your life, if you had a a moment of overcoming that issue that you face right now in such a powerful way as that? I mean, the guy would have rolled the mat up. He would have been able to carry that thing out the front door. In other words, the very thing that carried him all those years, he was able to then walk out the front door carrying it. But this is the contrast that I wanna focus on today. And this is from both stories. I can't help but wonder, but with the guy by the pool, the the first guy that I spoke about, how many less years would he have been paralyzed for if he just had one friend? I mean, he didn't even need four friends. He just needed one friend that would be there in his moment of need, one friend that he could depend on, one friend that he could trust. And then I think about this second guy, the guy that was lowered through the roof. And I wonder to myself, if he didn't have those four friends, where would he be? Where would he be? I mean, it's possible to probably say he probably would have been paralyzed for the rest of his life if he didn't have those four friends. And if you look closely, both of these men, they found their miracle in two very different ways. The first man, the man by the pool, found his miracle because Jesus found him. The second guy, the guy that was lowered through the roof, found his miracle because his friends helped him find Jesus. And this shows us two really clear things. First of all, both men found their miracle through Jesus, which is awesome, right? Secondly, one man got to Jesus quicker because of his friends. Because of his friends. Maybe right now, maybe you can relate to one of these two men. Maybe you're like the guy by the pool, the first guy, lonely, isolated, and to be honest, you're stuck in a bit of a rut right now that almost feels comfortable. It's sort of become the norm. Maybe you can relate to the second guy. You have a bunch of crazy friends, friends that have helped you in various stages of your life. In other words, you would say that having good friends in your life has been a real game changer. And I know this to be true. I have friends in my life, in this house, that have helped me through so many things, that have journeyed with me, that have stood with me, that have prayed with me, that have seen breakthrough with me. And only for those friends, I don't know if I'd be here today, honestly. But you see, To answer the question today, how do you leave loneliness? You need to find friendship to leave loneliness. You need to find friendship to leave loneliness. And I wanna ask you today, how many real friends do you have? And I'm not talking about your social media followers or anything like that. I'm talking about real, genuine friends who are there for you in your moment of need. Let's just hit pause just for a moment. So if loneliness is found in our friendships, why are friendships so challenging, right? I mean, let's face it, friendships would be so easy if they didn't involve people, 
right? I mean, so many opinions, so many worldviews, so many times when drama just happens, it just causes friction, and then friends, you just end up going your separate ways. So how can then we overcome this challenge in maintaining friendship? The second story we'll look at today, it shows us the type of friends that you should place in your life. It also helps us understand what kind of person do you need to be in order to be that friend. So what should we look for in finding a friend and what do we need to do in order to be a good friend? And today, I've got three friends you need to find Three friends that you need to place in your life to make things better. I've also got three things you need to do in order to be these friends. Now, I said at the start that this is my analogy going on here, and I've already mentioned that these devices, these climbing devices are referred to as friends. So I'm gonna use these today to hopefully help us try and remember these points, okay? So the first friend that I have for you today, the first friend that I really wanna encourage you to place in your life is this selfless friend, the selfless friend, all right? And in the story of the second paralyzed man, we see four selfless friends, because let's face it, these guys, they rocked up to this house, right? There was no way through, so they thought, I know, let's go up on the roof, let's vandalize the house, let's risk getting arrested to lower this guy through the roof to see Jesus. These were selfless friends. And I don't know about you, but these are the kind of friends that I wanna place in my life. These are the kind of friends that I wanna place on the climb, all right? So there's your first friend, the selfless friend, okay. So you're probably wondering, well, okay, Nathan, selfless friend. What does that even look like? What does that even mean? Well, when you're selfless, I feel like the person being selfless is always just securing themselves, their identity, right? But in order to be this friend today, you have to want the best for your friends. It's simple. Want the best for your friends. Now, what that means really is when they win, celebrate. Don't be the type of friend that comes in and sweeps in going, well, that's all right, but I did this. Look at me. I'm amazing. You come in and steal their thunder. You like belittle that thing that they've worked so hard to achieve. It's just not helpful. Likewise, on the other hand, if something bad is happening, you do not want to have the friend that comes in and just makes you feel like something worse is happening in, in your own life, so you make them feel small. So in other words, you come in and you're like, yeah, that's pretty bad what's happening to you right now, but actually, this is way worse in my life. Don't be that friend. Be the friend that's encouraging. Be the friend that's uplifting. In other words, simply put, you need to want the best for the best in them. You need to want the best for the best in them. That's what being a selfless friend really, really looks like. And I feel like we need that friend in our life today if we wanna secure our route from where we are to where we wanna be on this climb called life. Okay, so the second friend that I have for us today that I really wanna encourage you to place in your life is the wise friend, the wise friend. Now, now granted, right? In this story of these four friends who lowered their mate down, you'd probably say, Nathan, that's not wisdom, that's just, they're just pure crazy, right? But I would argue that actually, it took a lot of foresight to get to the house. Most friends would have probably just dropped their friend outside. One of them probably would have tried to run in and get Jesus' attention, but not these four friends. They were wise, they thought outside the box. They thought of another way to make another door. 
I mean, these are the type of friends that I wanna place in my life. And on my time and my life, I really wanna encourage you as well to place these friends. Okay, so you probably wonder now, wise friends I should place, fantastic. But what does that even look like? Well, you need to tell your friend what they need to hear instead of what they want to hear. It's tough love, right? Tell your friend what, you need, what they need to hear instead of what they want to hear. And this is difficult because you have to be encouraging, you have to be uplifting, but you can't shy away from telling them the truth. Because remember, you want what's best for your friend. You need to know when to speak, you need to know when to listen. And this is challenging, and I've got this wrong before, and to be honest, it's caused more damage than good. But pick your moments wisely. Lean in, listen, and at the right time, when you're able to just drop something in there, some pearl of wisdom into their life, then do it. You'll have an opportunity to do that. You need to know them better than they know themselves. You need to know sometimes when is a good time to speak and when's a good time not to speak. When do we just need to listen? You need to be the type of friend that you don't necessarily need to get a call. You just turn up. You're just there. Okay, so there's our first two friends. The third friend today that I have for us, my third point and this type of friend is the friend you need to place in your life. It's the loyal friend. The loyal friend. And when you look at the story again, I could argue that these friends were loyal without fault. They were loyal to the core. They took this guy from his desperate situation day after day. They probably heard all the moaning, all the problems. They got wind of this guy, Jesus, that was gonna come into town, that this guy could be a real game changer in his life. And they said, you know what? We're gonna take you to this house. And we're gonna get you in front of Jesus. Somehow, some way, we'll move mountains if we have to, or we'll break a hole through a roof on a house if we have to. But I don't know about you, but these are the type of friends, loyal friends, that I wanna place in my life or on my climb. And in order to be that friend, it's reliable. You're dependable. You're there when it matters most. And what's amazing about these climbing devices is in themselves, they're ingenious. They're just intelligent pieces of devices because the more pressure and the more strain that's put on these devices, the tighter they hold, which I think is significant. If you place these type of friends in your life, you'll find the same thing. In other words, the very thing that is working against you, these friends figure out a way to make it work for you. I think that's incredible. But if you want to be this friend today, this loyal friend, you have to be with them completely whatever they decide. In other words, you have to have this thing called unconditional positive regard. An unconditional positive regard is basically saying, no matter what you do, I'm with you. It doesn't matter what you've done, doesn't matter what you say, I'm going to show up, I'm going to be here unconditional positive regard. And this is important because you trust their character in order to be able to do that. This guy on the mat had unconditional positive regard for his friends to have this crazy plan to get him in front of Jesus. But you have to be able to not just say it, you have to be able to follow through with action. So there you have it. Three characteristics you should look for in a friend and three things, three challenges you should do in order to be a good friend. Find selfless friends, friends that want the best for you. Find wise friends, 
You need to be able to tell your friend what they need to hear instead of what they want, what, what they want to hear. You need to find friends who are loyal. In other words, friends that will always be with you whatever you decide. And if you place good friends on your life, you'll secure your route. In other words, you'll find confidence to climb to new heights. You'll find the confidence to do new things, to dream new dreams, to go after that ambition that you have for your life because you've placed good friends. So what if we applied these points today? What do you feel our friendships would look like? Perhaps you could be the friend that could help a friend reach or achieve their dream. Perhaps that dream that you harbor in your heart could really become a reality. Maybe you could just dream for me a minute. What if this caught on? What if a community of people decided to all place friends like this? It's contagious, right? But collectively, perhaps they could form a community that exists to change lives for Christ one life at a time by creating an environment that makes it easy for people to follow God. That really could be about everyone. Does it sound familiar? Does it sound like something you wanna be a part of? And here at Liverpool One Church, this is the type of community that we really are building. We're friends like family. And we invite you today to be part of that. But you know, if there was just one thing, one thing I'd want you to go away with today, if there was just one thing I'd want you to remember, if there was just one thing that you could apply to your life to make your life better and you better at life, it would simply be this. Be the friend you wanna find. Be the friend you wanna find. Because when you do that, it rubs off, it becomes contagious. And then all of a sudden your friendship circles start transforming. They start to become way better than you could ever imagine. And then all of a sudden you have a really proactive, positive community that you can surround yourself in in a place like this. Maybe you can see yourself in one of these two men's stories today. Maybe you're like the second man on the mat today and you're facing something just unimaginable in your life. Something that's just simply paralyzed you. But the good news for you today is you already have found some great friends and you ultimately you have Jesus as your best friend. And if you already have a friend with Jesus today, if you already are friends with Jesus today, I wanna ask you to ask yourself, where would you be without him today? Where would you be without Jesus? And let me encourage you today, if that is you, I encourage you to say thank you for all the things that he's done in your life maybe in your friend's life to help transform things, to help things turn around. And in just a moment, the band are gonna bring this song and it's such a powerful song. It is amazing lyrics that sort of go, there's never a season, there's never a place where I am alone, where you don't show your face. Right here I'll remember, how could I forget? Your faithfulness has never left me. And in closing today, I wanna say this. If you place the wrong type of friend in your life, it's possible that that friend, if it's not placed correctly, can slip, can fall out of your life. And that'll fail you because you don't wanna fall on the friend that's gonna slip. You don't wanna fall on the friend that's gonna fail because you could potentially hit rock bottom. You could hit rock bottom. And perhaps right now you're thinking to yourself in your own mind, you're thinking, actually, I have no real friends. I'm not really interested in becoming a good friend because things are just so broken in my life. You're saying nobody would want me and I know that I'm no good for anyone. So what's the point in even applying these points to my life? You feel paralyzed. You see no hope, you see no future and your position that you're in has just sort of blurred your perspective. You don't really have any. You don't believe in God 
and you don't have a friendship with Jesus. If right now in this moment you feel like that, I wanna say this to you. And after his encounter with Jesus, the first man on the mat would have realized this truth too. Jesus is able to find you. He knows you're paralyzed with nothing to offer, but he wants to be the friend that you place first in your life. And I'm here to tell you today, there's a fourth friend that you can place in your life. And what's really important, if you place Jesus at the foundation of your life, watch what happens. He now secures the rest of your route. In other words, if you place him first in your life, he can work through your friends. And it's even better if your friends have a relationship with him also. It becomes stronger. It becomes better. But he's going to be the friend that never lets you down. He's going to be the friend that holds tight in any storm. He's going to be the friend that's there in the middle of the night when you're not sure what's going on and everyone else has abandoned you and you're there on your knees going, what's going on in my life right now? Someone step in. He'll be the friend that will step in. He'll be the friend that's never going to leave you. I don't know about you, but if I had that friend... In my life, I'd climb harder climbs. I'd do things just out of this world, unimaginable, way beyond what I could dream or imagine. The Bible talks about this. It says in 1 Corinthians 2.9 that no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined the good prepared for those that love Him. So I wanna ask you a question today. What have you got to lose by placing Jesus as your number one friend, as your ultimate friend, to place him at the foundation of your life? You see, Jesus wants to be your friend. He can find you, he can free you, and he'll never leave you. He wants the best for you. He will provide wisdom for your life through his word, and he will be with you whatever you decide. Whether you have friends or you don't, he'll meet your need, and he'll be the friend that sticks closer than a brother. Thanks for joining us today. We hope that you can take that message and apply it to your life. Also, don't forget to take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. To get connected or stay more connected to the life of Liverpool One Church and learn how you can join us live, visit liverpoolonechurch.com. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope to see you again soon.